Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Welcome you to Porch Talk. We are in Laurel, Mississippi at Lee's Coffee and Tea. And I have someone with me here that I have been following for quite some time. Friends of the show, you know them well. Shout out to you, Bo, Red, Tyler, and probably more. I have Dale Smith here with me. Dale, how you doing? All right. How's it going, Alan? Dude, I'm I'm excited to finally be doing this. Me so, too, man. Your latest endeavor, uh, man. You got this coffee roaster. Yeah. And this coffee shop now. Yeah. And uh, I guess we'll we'll start there, and then we'll back up and do a little history on you. But like. Uh, out here on the main lobby, you got this uh, locomotive machine out here. That's right. Uh, tell me a little bit about the San Franciscan. Yeah, yeah. So the uh, so the San Franciscan Roaster uh, is something that's kind of been a dream of mine since I was working on my PhD. This is in incredible, music. by the way. Oh, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Just drinking a cortado over here. Um, had its first sip, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Um, it was. Uh, I lit. I was working on a PhD in music and living in uh, Phoenix, Arizona, trying to write my dissertation or avoid writing my dissertation and uh, spending a lot of time in coffee shops. And the, my favorite one was Cartel Coffee, and they had a uh, San Franciscan roaster right in the middle of their uh, lobby of their coffee shop. And it's, it's a beautiful machine because it's like powdered uh, black, and uh hammered brass and it looks to me like a like a steam engine like a locomotive and i had it in the back of my mind that i might want to try to do own a coffee shop open a coffee shop and just kind of have a simpler try to have a simpler life uh instead of pursuing academia and thought that if i ever had a coffee shop i'd i'd do that um and when i had the opportunity to buy lee's coffee and tea when my great aunt lee passed away um, from that moment on, I, I made it a goal to try to find a time, the right time to like buy a roaster and learn how to start roasting. And, uh, over the last couple of years, I've, I've been roasting in house and trying to get, get everything together and feel confident that I could launch my brand. And in the last couple of weeks, we finally launched, officially launched Crossroads Coffee Roasters. Did I, I saw the ribbon cutting, like I saw our mutual friends sharing it on social media, and like, yeah. man, I was just, I was so happy for you. Oh, thank you, man. And like, I, I didn't know like the dream then, but I, I was just, I knew you through music. I knew you yeah. as like just being a great keyboardist and like real good on the keys. Yeah. And then I was like, I had no idea he was a businessman. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so congratulations. Thank you. And by the way, great, great cup of Joe right here, dude. Thank you, man. Appreciate it. Uh, so, I mean, like, just a little history on where we're sitting. I mean, this is a this is a huge building. Yeah. yeah uh, tell awesome. me a little bit about Lee's. Yeah. It's, so the building uh, is four stories tall. And back in 2009, 2008, my great aunt, Liatis uh, Barnett, bought the building. Her husband had passed away, and he, he owned a bank. And so they had a lot of money. They got bought out by another big, big time bank. And uh, she 
Laurel downtown was nothing. I I grew I spent one year living here in Laurel. My parents owned shoe stores. That's how small businesses in my blood. My dad was a businessman. I grew up uh, in the shoe business, and we had a store in Laurel. And in all my times visiting Laurel, I don't think I'd ever seen downtown because it was just not nothing. It was just completely yeah, basically non-existent. And she uh, had a heart for it because it used to be kind of bustling and and wanted to see it come back to life. And so part of that doing, helping that happen was buying the building and opening a coffee shop on the first floor. And uh, so the first floor is coffee shops. The second floor is a lot of, is kind of a mezzanine balcony for the coffee shop, but also some office space. And then there are apartments on the third and fourth floors and some more office space. Oh, cool. And yeah. And so she did that and um, I would visit the shop when I was in town for Christmas or whatever, my, my parents moved back from Houston to, to help manage Aunt Lee's affairs at the end of her life. And, uh, so I'd visit and I would sometimes do like, you know, come do a, a little show on acoustic guitar and sing, um, and thought it was a cool, kind of a cool vibe. And after Phoenix, I moved back here to try to recenter myself to write my dissertation and while i was here i was living in an apartment in this building uh aunt lee passed away and i had the opportunity to buy the shop my parents really wanted to see it stay with a family member and offered to help uh me find the money to purchase the store and so i told them i'd give it a shot for three years and uh you know see if i could even make it profitable because she wasn't interested she wasn't trying to make money she was just doing that as a love out of love for laurel sort of thing and but i had to make a living you know so i told mm-hmm. him let me let me try for three years and see if i can make a living at it and i've been doing it for almost seven now so what did that look like going in like i mean you, you told me your dad ran the shoe shop growing up so you had some idea of how a business worked but like stepping into a coffee shop <laughs> yeah I, I mean what was that like um so co- the com- combination of uh my experience with the shoe shoe business, I, I was, you know, I would like open and close the store and drop deposits and things like that. And I had a, so I had a fair understanding of like the back of house kind of workings of, of businesses. Uh, and it's kind of, that's transferable to almost anywhere. But, um, my, the only, the food experience I had came from working at Outback Steakhouse. I, I did that for about three years and, uh, I was a trainer and stuff like that. And, and, was very I felt I always thought that their the way they trained their employees and the way they ran their stores was very well thought out and actually a lot of they kind of changed the paradigm of how restaurants run their businesses and that always stuck with me and so when I came in a lot of my knowledge came from that and tried to like as far as efficiency and and support for like other each other uh employee wise and stuff kind of changed it and all and I it was, totally but it was kind of jumping in without you know just like i gotta figure this out you know with the outback thing i totally agree with that i have three friends of mine who were in the outback ring i mean they were doing music on the side but they also would uh they were waiting tables and moved their way up in outback and mm-hmm. like to your point uh some of them went on further in the restaurant industry and i think it was just because of what was instilled at outback I, they're top notch. Yeah. Like when you think fast food, people think Chick Fil A. Right. But when I think like you know your 
Outback or your Applebee's or things like that, Outback is top dog when it comes to that. I think so. I think so. It's good to hear other people who have that. I totally agree with that. I mean, it's not just the food is good, but also like the service is next level. Yeah. Yeah. And I always felt like, yeah, I felt like the way that they treated their employees and the way that the employees, the support system that they had set up for employees helping each other, where it wasn't just kind of like you're out on your own with your tables and Mm -hmm. that's it. It was really cool. Felt, felt good. So. Well, right on. I mean, uh, just kind of back to this. And so, yeah. like, uh, Dream Realized, I'm going to give it three years. Yeah. Uh, man, what were, like, when you were getting into it, were there ever moments where you're like, I'm I'm in over my head? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> I mean, I, that's kind of how I live my life, I think. Uh, <laughs> yeah, always... uh, just uh, Kobe. I just left uh, sitting with Kobe. Yeah. And he was like, one thing you got to know about Dale is he's a guy that wears many hats. He stays incredibly busy. But he doesn't complain. Yeah. <laughs> That's kind of cool. Yeah. That dude's awesome. We've, we've only gotten to know each other over the last couple of years, but he's, he's an amazing yeah. dude. Um, yeah, I do like to stay busy. And I think people ask me about that, and I think it's just... I was, when I was at Millsaps, I was a double major in, in biology and music and also taking pre-med classes because they didn't have a pre-med major at Millsaps. And the extra classes almost made up another major. So I was kind of like always on the go. Like my friends would have Fridays off and stuff, and that never happened for me. I always had like 24 hours every semester. And I think I just never stopped kind of keeping myself going that like That's that. That's a hell of an yeah. ethic, man. Yeah. And well, yeah, it could be, it could be just a. I'm a procrastinator too, and I'll often procrastinate by doing other productive things. So it's benefited me to be have a lot going on all the time because I'm mm-hmm. avoiding doing this project. So I'm working on this other thing that it also needs to be done. You know, it's, yeah. It's, uh, so I think that's mostly it. Um, is I just never, I just never stopped. I never slowed down. But I will say, I had a kid uh, a couple of years ago, and that's forced me to slow down because I just can't work nearly as fast as I can as I used to be able to and I can't like move my time around the way because he's always there and he always needs something you know he always need he needs my presence he needs my attention and so I can't cram stuff in here and there and like oh I'll just sleep in the middle of the day this day you know um so that's helped so I'm trying in this point in my life to find some sort of like regular rhythm that I can like achieve, but it's a lot slower. So life catches up to you, I think, eventually. <laughs> you know, being single until you're until you're forty uh, makes it easier to to stay agile too. I think. Yeah, absolutely. Well, man, let's let's pause right there and like just back up to where like we're not just like skipping around yeah, the yeah. timeline. Is um, a good friend of mine, good friend of yours. You grew up with a cat. Um, tell me a little bit about growing up, man. Uh, we both know Bo Jeffries. Yeah. Uh, did you grow up in Meridian? Yep. Yeah. Bo and I grew up grew up actually about four houses down from each other. Good grief, so, man! Small yeah. world. Yeah, it is. <laughs> and uh, his his parents and my parents went to the same church, and so they were friends and hanging out um, while both our moms were pregnant with us. And uh, he's four months older than I am, and so we've been we've known each other basically since since birth this before birth and you could yeah. say so and he's got a little brother and i have a little brother and we were all just ruled the neighborhood you know what was y'all getting into man oh uh, we would you know those are the <laughs> days where you could take your bike out and ride and just be gone for 
you know, sunrise till sundown, uh, sort of thing. So we, we ride all over the neighborhood. I'm Bo. I remember the year Bo got a skateboard and we lived in it where we lived in Meridian was terrible for skateboarding. There were no sidewalks that you could really ride on. The streets were just super bump, like bumpy and very, very hilly. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I never got into it, but Bo and my brother got into it. But I remember Bo going down our hill on our street towards his house and just busting his knee. Eating man. that asphalt. Oh my gosh, dude. He tore his, through his jeans and tore his knee up and stuff. But it was a lot of like. The Sandlot, like, that was very much our childhood. We had a lot down there where we play, pick up baseball and stuff all yeah. the time. Yeah. What about, like, during like during those uh, those early days, man? Those, like, you know, what were you into? Like, when would music or your interest, when would you begin to kind of find what you were into? Yeah, yeah, that's a good question. I was homeschooled uh, in, until, six, until 10th grade, and so... I think that uh, I was a little kind of naive about how the world worked a lot of a lot of, in a sure. lot of ways. And my dad was the only social interaction like church or church and, and we were in taekwondo and um, rec sports and things like okay. that. You know, my parents were good about keeping us, you know, so that we didn't become the weird homeschool homeschoolers like some of my some of the people I knew. Um, but we, uh, my dad is an excellent pianist, like super good. And uh, I grew up hearing him play, and I always loved music. Like, when I was young, um, all I wanted to listen to was, like, Beethoven and things like that. I was a weirdo. Oh, Beethoven. So, like, he was very classically trained. And he, that's what he was, he was into, into, like, the Beatles and stuff like that. Oh, okay. I would listen to the Beatles and Beach Boys, too, but none, I wouldn't really listen to modern pop of the day in the 80s. I would listen to... I loved the NPR, MPB, I guess it was. Uh, and they would play classical stuff, and then I would listen to Simon and Garfunkel and the Carpenters, things that my mom listened to in the car, and things that my dad listened to, which was yeah. Led Zeppelin when mom wasn't around, you know, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But um, so I, I enjoyed music from a young age, but I didn't realize, I didn't even know, I just kind of assumed that music was something that you just could play, like, or not, like it just kind of came out of you. And uh, so I never even really tried playing the piano or anything until one day after hearing my dad play enough times, like I sat down at the piano and like started picking out things that I heard him play, you know, little the simple melodies and things. And they're like, hey, you know, do you I was like 12, 11 or 12. And they're like, hey, do you want to take piano lessons? I was like you can do that, yeah. you know, that's sort a, of that's thing. A thing. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, so they got me piano lessons and actually it's a fun tidbit. Um, you know, PV electronics is based in Meridian. That's right. Hartley, uh, actually was a member of the church I went to growing up, Bo and I went to and ended up taking lessons from his great aunt. Oh, wow. Yeah. And she taught me piano lessons kind of, I mean, she, she taught, she gave me music to learn. We didn't work on a lot of technique or theory or anything like that, but she let me pick things out like Desperado and other songs that I wanted to learn and uh, and would, would teach me things, some Beethoven. I thought that was so important. Uh, when I was 15, I had a – my brother is a year and a half older than me. He graduated two classes above me. And I was always, like, hanging out with his friends. Mm-hmm. I, I didn't really hang out with people my own age. And I remember the talent show. Um, one of my best friends now, Sid, 
he played Proud Mary by CCR at the talent show. Yeah. And it just absolutely blew my hair back. And I knew that he had played guitar. Like, I'd been over to his house. We were playing Guitar Hero, you know. And, like, I would watch him play around guitar, and I was like, that's cool. I don't really care. But And then he stepped out on the stage and done that. And I was yeah. like, oh, man, this is blowing my hair back. And yeah. I went home that night, and I told my grandma. I was yeah. like, I want to play guitar. And she got me lessons with this cat in Columbus. Mm-hmm. But it was, like, classical trained. And that just was not working for me. Right. I wanted to rock. Right. And uh, advent of the internet, it was around that time. Ultimate guitar was a thing. YouTube was a thing. And so was going that route. Sid would like take me up and show me some things. But as I progressed, like I quickly learned you could only go so far with that before theory. You really needed some theory. Sure. Yeah. And like uh, the proficiency of like as you progress, like, yeah, I've got to go back to the books for a minute. Yeah, 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 yeah. Theory is important. I always tell my students that well, I taught at Southern for a little bit um, after I moved back uh, that, you know, you can put off learning theory and you can, like, skate, scrape by in class. But eventually, if you stay in music, you're going to have to learn. You're going to have to learn it. So you might as well just learn it now. Mm-hmm. You know, and be armed with it when you go out there because it's gonna be way harder to learn on your own than it is when you have somebody here teaching you. But yeah, yeah, what do I know? <laughs> yeah, right. I've only lived a little bit of it, but yeah, like just like kind of back to what you were talking about. So, like being classically trained, but she would be good enough to you to like teach you desperado and things yeah, of that nature. yeah, I was lucky throughout my whole in college as well. My piano teachers would let me learn, you know, that we'd learn like standard repertoire, but they'd always let me pick a piece or two that was like more in my interest so i would you know in college i, I learned uh rick wakeman who's the keyboardist for yes uh one of my favorite bands ever yeah dude yeah uh he has some great s- band <laughs> solo stuff um and a really ripping piano piece or uh, is actually you know synthesizer and organ and piano and a bunch of other stuff uh from uh the six wives of king henry the eighth Hey, why is it king here? Yeah, that's right. And um, so I learned that it was like a piano transcription of that, and she let me work on that, and it was really fun, you know. But yeah, yes, yes. Is what like, did you do undergrad at Southern? I did undergrad at Millsaps. Oh, Millsaps. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Yeah. But my professor at Millsaps, my piano teacher, ended up coming to Southern. She's like one of the main piano teachers at Southern now. Which oh, cool. She's, she got there like my last year at Southern, so it's kind of interesting. Yeah, kind of. Full circle. Everything, man. It's always like that. <laughs> what, what about, like, during those those years of, like, coming out of high school, stepping into college? Was it always music? Did you have any other, anything that was else picking your interest at I that was, time? I was uh, good at school. And um, when we were in high school, so about 16, I quit taking lessons. I played in Christian rock band with Bo and my brother and a couple other people. And uh, we had... We were pretty good, I mean, for, for our age. Um, we didn't write a lot of music, but we had had a couple of people be, come up to us and say, hey, when you write some music, let us know. We want to, you know, put you, we'll sign you or whatever. So I loved music, and I I wanted, I was interested in it, but it was, I was, I think, too pragmatic a, a kid. Um, I was smart, and people told me that, you know, smart people are doctors or lawyers or whatever. And so I was like, well, I'll dig science. I could be a, I could be a doctor. So I was on a pre-med kind of path. Okay. Um, 
And that's what I thought I was going to do because that was stable, good income, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and there are no guarantees in music. And I think I was just felt being Meridian was not in this, in the scheme of Mississippi is not a tiny town, but in the scheme of like the rest of the country is pretty small place. And I just didn't realize there are so many other things like, uh, that you could do with science, like computer programming or, you know, composition of music for computer games, like things like that, that I didn't even learn about until grad school, you know, that maybe I would have pursued if I had known, known about them. But I'm glad that you brought that up just for like people listening. Maybe they're about to step into that and they're not even thinking that way. But I mean, cause like a lot of people just don't even think about it that way. Right. Yeah. Like it's, it's wild. Like the field that I'm working in now is if I knew that that was an option, I would have went straight there. Right. But like it's almost like I I went way out and, yeah. and just somehow found my way. Yeah, that's how I feel about. <laughs> yeah, I feel like a lot of my life has been like pursuing a line, and then learning about this other thing and being like, oh, that's cool. I'm gonna take a hard right now and go yeah. do this, you know. But uh, I don't regret any of it, man, because I've learned a lot in a lot of different fields, and I think that in the world of music theory, when I was doing that seriously, like in academics, pursuing the doctorate, um, my background in biology and physics gave me a perspective and an approach to analysis of music that most, uh, most people who only came up in music, you know, thought differently than I did, or I thought differently than they did. And so I would oftentimes get, uh, from my professors that the, you know that it was a really interesting kind of angle that I would take just from the integration of different disciplines that you know and approaches to to thinking about things yeah I, mean, I think about that like just interviewing musician to musician and hearing about the influences and well I grew up in church and while mom wasn't home I was able to hear Led Zeppelin then I hear you say yes and right when I hear you say yeah Dude, that's that's a huge thing because like yes, it's such a big band. Yeah. Like as far as the sound. And yeah, like yeah. if someone is into that, especially if it's the keys, I was like, Yeah, this cat's about to get down. <laughs> I mean, you don't yeah. have any choice, I mean, because they such a huge sound. Yeah, for, for seriously, man. I love it. It yes is probably the pinnacle of of pop rock music to me, you know. Yeah. Um I, I don't think there's ever been a better group the Rick Waitman Bill Bruford years uh, Fragile and Close to the Edge and I guess Tales from Topographic Oceans but uh, those years I don't think has ever been a better group of musicians together making, didn't, they, didn't they approach it from science as well? they um, so they uh, Close to the Edge in particular I know that John Anderson well I don't know from what I've read John Anderson was pretty influenced by uh like Stravinsky and kind of some modern composers and wanted to write kind of angular music like that. Um, Bo and I were actually talking the last time we were up there. Uh, he was putting, he put on Chris Squire's solo album, fish out of water. And it could be a yes album. It sounds so yes. Like, and to hear that and understand like how much of maybe a background influence Chris had on the sound of yes, especially during those years was kind of impressive. Um, but I know that they they kind of recorded the all the music and then they had to sit down on the cutting room floor and basically like they didn't know 
they didn't have the songs. They just recorded a bunch of music and then like pieced together the songs, like taped, literally taped the sections of tape together to make a complete piece of music, which is like insane. Insane. I cannot even imagine. I would be like, nah, I think I'm not doing music anymore. Yeah, <laughs> you know? it's so tedious. Yeah, man. there's there's a uh, shout out to Harlow Road in Columbus, Mississippi. Uh, they're a tape deck band. They mm-hmm. they record everything by tape. Wow. And like, I've sat with them like during some of that process, and I was like, how do y'all have hair? Yeah. And, what do you mean? How have you not pulled it all out? Right. And I, I've seen them like bring other musicians who thought they wanted to record that way, mm-hmm. and they's like. I don't think you're ready for this, man. Yeah. I don't think this is the way that you want to go about it. Because, like, by tape, is you got one shot. Yep. Yep. And yep. then, and then, like, you just, well, when you run out of tape, and then you got to lay tape after tape. Right. Whew. Yeah. Big project. Yep. Midnight Revel, uh, which is a band Tyler and I were in together, mm-hmm. uh, recorded our last recording sessions in, in Nashville at Welcome 1979. They do everything. They can do digital if you want, but they're known for doing tape. And we're like, we want to do tape. And it was so wild being up there because we'd do a take and they'd be like, do you want to keep that take or do you want to do another one? And it wasn't like, well, let's keep that one and do another one and then compare them. It's like, no, you're either going to take this one or you're going to dump it and it's never going to be back again. So mm-hmm. we had to, and we did it live. We didn't do like individual instruments. Yeah. We did it all at the same time. So we all, it brought, I, I think the results were really good, but it brought a, ne- a level of like focus and like everybody had to like be confident that what they were playing is what they wanted to play and what they wanted the album to sound like. I, and I think that's the thing about going by tape, especially if you're in one room and one band all at once, like everyone has to trust each other equally and like, okay, whatever we get here, this is the sound. Yep. And like, I, I love treating it just like life itself. Is We got one go. Yeah. This is it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's cool, man. There's a, there's a vitality to it. I wouldn't want to do it all like that all the way. No, not but, all the time. The other side of it, George Harrison said, you know, if uh, if the Beatles had had access to like modern, like computer based programming and infinite tracks and stuff, that they would have never released an album. That the thing that caused them to stop working on a song was usually that they ran out of tracks. They didn't have any more space to do it. And they had to be like, well, I guess we're done. I guess that's it. (laughs) Yeah. So, you know, there's those limitations. And Stravinsky was very known for this belief too and i think bartok as well but like creativity comes out of the constraints that you put on yourself they're the restrictions and how to be unique and creative within a wall within a box that you put yourself into whether it's you or other people you know that's where creativity and also just where we're sitting man mississippi yeah uh it breeds so much creativity i love the constraints and whether it be financial or even just exposure like with all the talent, and I, I would even say my Alabama as well, mm-hmm. but Mississippi particularly is like, man, when you think about just the the people that come out of here, I think it's to that, what you're talking about, that constraint. Mm-hmm. Uh, just Pressure cooker down here. It is, yep. and it, it breeds it. Yep. And, man, I'm, they know where, I mean, yeah, there are other people, other places I would like to be, but realistically no I, i'm right where i want to be yeah <laughs> well i i agree man coming back from um a musical mecca which north texas is for for jazz and things like that and coming back to mississippi and being around more music and playing more music than i ever did while i was in school for music 
was kind of an eye-opening thing. I was like, man, there's so much, there's so many good musicians in Mississippi. It's unbelievable. So much good music. And they challenge each other so well. Mm -hmm. And like, it can get competitive, but I almost feel like it's more cooperative. Generally, yeah. Yeah. You know, there are a couple of people here and there that that make it about, yeah. But, but I think in general, it's a genuine, the people who are making music have a genuine passion and they just want to play with each other. You know, like one of the joys has been like, like I'll see somebody perform, like man, I hope I'd love to make music with them one day, you know. And then getting to get on the stage and play yeah, with next them, thing you know, know. Yeah, yeah, it's so fun, so cool. Well, uh, we're at we're at undergrad. Uh, oh goodness, <laughs> back 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 to you. Yeah. So uh, you're at uh, Millsaps. You Millsaps. Uh, is it? Are we doing a minor in music at this point, or you're you're tw- I was, twenty four hours a semester? Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was majoring in music and biology, and so the the reason it's so many is because you have lab, you have choir, you know, uh, ensemble credits for music, and you have labs for biology for the science stuff, and so it was a lot of time, you know. But I was double majoring. I ended up not get not doing a major in biology because I didn't want you had to take comp comprehensive exams. For each major at Millsaps, I didn't want to take two sets. I don't blame I was, you. My senior year, I was kind of like, I'm done with all this. But um, so I had technically have a minor in biology, even though I took all the classes for the major. Um, and I was going to go to med school, and uh, my my organic chemistry grades were not great, and they wanted me to like take organic chemistry again, uh, and. Uh, so I was like, well, okay, well, I'll go. And I'd, I'd fallen in love with conducting because I was taking conducting classes my senior year, and my the conductor of the cor- choral ensembles got vertigo, and I walked into rehearsal one day, and the pianist was like, Dr. Coker's going to be out for like a month or two. He left you in charge. Whoa. And I was like, uh, Whoa. what? <laughs> and I'd never conducted in front of anybody before. So, what did, how did, like, were you kind of shell shocked? Oh, like? yeah, man. It freaked me out. <laughs> but I had to, I had to, like, how much trust he had on you? That was, yeah, that was surprising. Um, a lot of responsibility and, yeah, a lot of trust. And I wanted to live up to it. So, I, it was, I took it seriously and I loved it. I found that I really dug it. And I, I took our, small ensemble traveling ensemble on trips and we sang and maybe in Tupelo you know things like that and I was responsible for conducting and 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 organizing it all and it was wild uh but it was cool uh and so I was like wait maybe I want to do conducting you know so I went to Southern Miss and uh started studying with Dr. Fuller who's one of the best musicians alive I think and uh yeah really uh went deeper into into music and understanding music than I thought was possible. You know, like, yeah. wouldn't trade those experiences for anything. But, uh, yeah. So that's what, uh, where I spent the next few years of my life was in, was in Hattiesburg, finally. And then from Hattiesburg, like, who are some uh, people that you would come in contact there, and how would you get out to Phoenix? Uh, well, so, I, so... While I was in Hattiesburg, uh, Southern Miss strangely doesn't have a lot of connection to like the music scene, even though the music scene has always been strong in Hattiesburg. Like we didn't go out and mingle with the local musicians really that much, um, but got a lot of experience in conducting. And while I was at Southern Miss, uh, 
looking at trying to decide whether I wanted to do a DMA in conducting um, and become like a professional conductor uh, or what was I going to do, found out that you could actually do a PhD in music theory. And I love music theory. Um, I was like, well, that's what I want to do. And so applied around and, and got accepted to North Texas and it had a great rep- reputation. Um, so I moved out to Denton and spent, five or six years out there, you know, uh, taking the classes and working on my dissertation and working at a church and, and soaking in just the insane amount of musical talent that's there. Midlake yeah. comes out of there. I don't know if you know who Midlake yeah, is. I, I could only ne- imagine. Neon Indian. We've got to start there in Denton. And they had the, the craziest underground punk scene, which I'm not even into, but I would go to these <laughs> underground punk yeah. shows and man, it was unbelievable. So cool. Uh, just yeah, just nuts, and then all the jazz on top of that. You know, world class jazz musicians. Yeah, like uh, I'm, and I was listening to a lot of David Crowder band, mm-hmm. and I, I credit those guys, specifically the drummer. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, he's like a mad scientist. Yeah, I, I'll never forget when Dave David Crowder came out with the Guitar Hero guitar, uh-huh. and they his drummer yeah. had he was an engineer. Okay, and he had programmed it to where like you hit the green button, it would make a G, and yeah. then like on down, and like he could construct a song just by hitting those buttons. Yeah, and he even left out to where like if you hit like the start button, it would go back. Okay, <laughs> like he messed up. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And they would come out and do shows like that. But, yeah. Like, I forgot about just, that guitar, just, man. Yeah, just yeah. in like the the Christian side of music, man, it was a plethora of talent there. But it was just it was overshadowed by like the bigger music industry. And then, yeah, I mean, a lot of people just didn't really care a whole lot about what Christian music was doing, right? For obvious reasons, but right? It's very talented. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Crowder's great. It, it gets slept sure. on. Yeah, <laughs> I agree. I agree. He's a. I I played a song of his in church one time that was in like. It was like alternating time signatures. I was yeah. like, this is nuts, man. This is a crazy song. Uh, glory came down. Wait, Heaven came down and Glory filled. I can't remember now, but I think that, it's Heaven That came entire down. album was kind yeah. of strange. Yeah. Like when it came to signatures and things yeah. of that nature. Uh, 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 I don't remember the name. Something about the lark. The lark ascending mm-hmm. was a very interesting piece. Yeah. And on the, on the record, when you listen to it, he's being interviewed by an interviewer about the piece about the album as a whole and he was te- walking you through and he was like when the violin enters that's the lark and mm. it's a very light vibrato and like it's going to carry you through and i was like it's crazy like to hear someone talk about the music as it's being played and i was like we've never i've never heard a record like this <laughs> definitely not in christian in christian circles yeah. man like he yeah i think david crowder band and he gets flat, and people don't like him because his voice isn't, you know, it's not like a slick, poppy vocal. You know, it's kind of raw. Well, I mean, and, you know, think about, like, some of the people that we love today. Like, I mean, uh, shout out to Abe Partridge. Yeah, yeah. You know. Right, but it works in, and I think it's more accepted in, in like, folk or... Uh, John Prine. Yeah, you know? but when you get into the Christian realm, we're used to, like, real oh, slick production on everything. We need, a, we need everything. a Chris Tomlin. Yeah, right. We need a very polished voice. Yeah. Give us a good tenor. Yeah. But musically, I don't think uh, there's been a, a more musically talented christian band and i don't think maybe so. striper from the 80s you know they're pretty pretty wild but like, john foreman's pretty good but like yeah i don't think singer caliber of crowder right, right. Yeah, yeah crowder's a beast intellectual the mixture of it like intellectual and like uh, artistry on the crowder yeah stuff. dude yeah. yeah for sure 
Um, yeah, man. So, oh, Flaming Lips, my first year at Denton, came down and did a free show. Just sat up in the <laughs> in the, in the uh, fairgrounds and did a free concert for no reason. Came down from Oklahoma, which is like two hours north. Uh, mm-hmm. Is wild. Denton was awesome. So, yeah, I was there and loved it and loved it so much that I didn't write a word on my dissertation for like two years. I was like, I need to... You just up in coffee shops and just yeah, living something else, man. Uh, <laughs> my brother was living in uh, in Phoenix, working for a Bible software company. He's a programmer. Uh, he's a video game programmer, but he got burnt out on it, so he's working doing that for a little while. And so I went out and lived with them for a while and worked on a farm. I was an intern on a on a organic farm for three months in the, wow. the summer uh, in Phoenix. <laughs> Hot it much? was wild, dude. <laughs> well, it's hot, but it's it really is like they say it's a dry heat, and it's really wild because I've never been somewhere because Mississippi, if it's hot, it's just hot. You yeah. can't get away from it. But you could sit in the shade in 115 degree weather in Phoenix, and it feels good. It's like 20 or 30 degrees cooler. Yeah, I think it's a lot different. I remember like first times I went to Guatemala. Like that was one thing they were really harping on us about is like whether you think you need it or not. Be sure to drink water. You're yeah. closer to the equator, yeah. and the sun's a little bit closer, and so you are sweating. You just don't feel yourself sweating. So, like, you'll be dehydrated before you know it. Right. And it's it's not like here to where it's that wet heat. Save a little more this month. Chime checking accounts have features like fee-free overdraft up to $200 with spot me and no monthly fees. Open your account in minutes at chime.com slash goals 24. Banking services debit card provided by Bancorp, Bank NIA, or Stride Bank NIA, members of FDIC. Spot me eligibility requirements and overdraft limits apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Right, that real humid heat, like you know, you need to get something to drink when you're just completely drenched right. out. Like I'm guessing, like out in the Phoenix area or even Guatemala, what I'm talking is like it can really creep up on you. Yeah, it evaporates as soon as it as soon as you sweat it, it's gone, mm-hmm. which helps keep you cooler, you know. And so I would, and I'm pale, man. I would have to wear same problem, brother. <laughs> full like long sleeve shirts and pants and a hat, and people would ask because I would slather on. Uh, sunblock with this is the I zinc got that oxide SPF stuff. SPF 1300. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> People would uh, stop and ask if I was like albino, like literally albino, because my skin looked so white because of the zinc oxide on my. Um, and I was so covered up, but it was hot, man. It was awesome though, and very. Uh, it gave me a lot of clarity that I did not want to be a farmer. <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah. it was intense, dude. But uh, I was dating a girl out there. I met online. Um, and just by happenstance, my brother happened to live out there. And so we ended up like doing long distance thing for a year. And then it was like, we need to figure out whether this is going to work. So that's, that was an underlying reason why, why I went out there, Mm -hmm. um, in the midst of like trying to deconstruct my life really. Like if you, if looking back, that's what I was doing. I was like, I didn't want to do academics. I wanted to find something else. And so that's where. It's where kind of, yeah, the way I blew everything up was like getting out of Denton. And after, uh, I don't know if that was the right call, but it led me ultimately back to Mississippi where I met my wife and have made amazing music and yeah, and coffee shop. And now I'm roasting all that jazz. And so, yeah, I would say 
Yes, it was the right call. Yes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, uh, pharma not for you. Uh, everything that you were looking out in Phoenix wasn't working. Was it your eye was set on Mississippi? Or did you did you have anywhere else in mind? Or you'd be like, yeah, let's get back to Meridian. Let's get back to Laurel. Let's get back to Hattiesburg. Um, so, my parents had moved back here and to laurel and that's where they grew up and so i i moved i basically moved home with the moved back in with them just to try and figure out to write i came back and didn't tell anybody i moved back because i was just gonna hold myself up and write and uh dissertation dissertation yeah and uh my plan was i'm coming back here writing and i'm getting the heck out and going back to dallas or or Arizona or Colorado or somewhere like that, that has the scene that I loved, mm-hmm. you know, which include like included a really cool coffee scene, like really high end, like specialty coffee I'd fallen in love with. And, um, really, really had, had thought that's what I was going to do. And was down here at Lee's on the second floor, just kind of, it was one morning I was just drinking coffee and looking out and, and, you know, hometown, the TV show, uh, on HGTV, it kind of like started to really take off, and I knew of a bunch of other people my age and a little bit younger, like opening businesses downtown, and the tourism was picking up, and uh, it was just kind of bustling. And I was, and I just kind of had the thought that maybe I, what my experiences elsewhere were not for me to know what I loved and to get back to, but it was for me to gather these experiences and try to like, to bring it back, bring it here and yeah, and help uh, develop the coffee culture and just kind of a, a, the culture that I missed was keeping me from trying to create that heat and build that culture here. And so that was kind of like where I was like, I'm going to stay and, and give it, you know, the, my best shot and, uh, the old college try. Yeah, the old, uh, Oh, the word left me. I know. It's, I couldn't think of it either. It's not college uh, try. If you think of it, let me know. Yeah, it's, it's going to come. <laughs> do you mind if I... Do you want one? No, one? go for it. Uh, you want yeah, one? I'll take another one. Sure. We're drinking uh, Actius Luna by Parish Brewing Company, which is a killer, killer IPA, if anybody cares. And it'll also give you some context. If we, yeah. Epiphany, yes, yeah, yeah. It was an epiphany. That's the word. Thank you. Um, yeah, and so, so from that point on, I kind of dug in and tried to tried to create the culture. And I, I, I'm not sure uh, how successful I've been in creating the culture that I that I wanted. But I feel like what has happened is that I've created a space for people who otherwise wouldn't have a space and it's really skewed younger than i expected you know i was thinking like young professionals but laurel doesn't have a lot of that so it's really like high school high school and junior college college, uh kids but they have a place and they love it they they seem to really resonate with lees and so like it caught my eye yeah and like right when i saw i don't remember who shared it but the article like you had on the paper, mm-hmm. like with you were standing, like the picture I just took of you, you were standing by the San Franciscan 
yeah. the roaster. Yeah. And I was like, Dale Smith, that name so familiar. And then I was like, Oh yeah, 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 yeah. I know who he is. And I was like, I had no idea. Yeah. And then I, I I dig a little bit, and then Tyler hits me up. He's like, You should think about having Dale on. And I was like, Oh yeah, definitely. <laughs> but I mean, so like you have totally like caught my eye, and like I mean, that's that's the same discussions that we have been having in Columbus, Mississippi, is like with all the culture and the things that we're trying to do is uh there's a there's a few of us who have been fortunate enough to travel and now mm. we're kind of back home right and yeah those places were cool but they're not home right and so how can we take the best of that and bring it here to the community and i gotta say man like you're doing a fine job thank you and like i'm glad that we were able to record here because man i've this is a really cool spot. Thanks, man. It's it is cool. So, I if you listener, if you ever find yourself in the Laurel, Mississippi area, you're traveling down uh, was fifty nine twenty fifty nine South. You see the Laurel exit. Stop off. <laughs> Come see Laurel, man. Because last time I came through Laurel was like three or four years ago. Like I never stop. I just keep yeah. blowing through. Right, dude. This downtown scene is. Not what I remember from ten years ago. Yeah, yeah, it's not. Yeah, it's it's <laughs> popping right now, man. Hopefully, yeah. we can keep it going. You know, that's the goal is to keep yeah keep it vital. Well, so. dude, let's let's talk a little bit about uh, music, and then I want to hop back on uh, on the business side of things to close. But uh, man, you've uh, you've worked with Tyler Midnight Revel. Yep. Uh, Red and the Revelers. Yes. Uh, tell me a little bit more about like since you came back, and I'm guessing all that happened since you came mm-hmm. back here. Uh, how did all that come together for it? That's yeah. So uh, that's a good question. Um, so when I moved back here, uh, there's a guy that came to the coffee shop all the all the time, uh, Shane Kelly, killer guitar player, went to Berkeley, phenomenal uh, player, and he's living here doing uh, guitar lessons and stuff. And we met and ended up hanging out with Slowboat Brewing was was still open we'd hang out there and drink beer and just talk and found out that we had a lot of like overlap and formal music training and int- musical interests and stuff and i was looking to to start playing again with some people and when i was gone when i was in denton the last couple of years i was in denton i started I'd, i had not really touched the keyboard the entire i started playing guitar and and singing and for church stuff mostly mm-hmm. and um so I not played the piano very much, but I started um, with with some some other guys. Would you consider guitar your primary? No, no, no. Keyboard's my primary. Yeah, I, I learned, picked up the guitar and learned it all while I was out in Texas. Okay. Yeah. Um, and uh, but we started a funk band, an instrumental funk band. That's so fun. And uh, <laughs> we were uh, basically a new Master Sounds cover band. And we just loved it and played all their stuff. And so that got me way back into playing keys. Yeah. And so uh, Shane was int- wanting to start a funk band. And we we had that overlap. So we started playing uh, in that band. And I think that Midnight Revel... No. Tyler... What was it? Tyler and Shelby... Shelby Kemp uh, played a duo show at Slowboat. And I was there and heard them play and loved both their voices and thought they uh, sounded great and was like, man, I'd love to make music with them. Just kind of thought, tucked in the back of my mind. And then down the road, 
I don't remember how it happened exactly, but I guess we were on a show together down to Good was playing, and, and they were playing, or Tyler was playing or something, and afterwards, Tyler and I were talking, and he was like, I want you to play with Midnight Revel. How did he know you played? He saw me playing with Down and Good. Ah. Yeah. And so he saw me playing and had the same feeling, I want to make music with this guy. That's right, yeah. And so, Mutual. yeah, and so I was like, I want to make music with you. So, so it worked we just out. Become best friends. Yeah, you want to do karate in the basement? <laughs> so, um, they were like getting ready to go to New Orleans to record uh, "Desperate Times" and "Blind Eyes." This was like November, and they were going into December, uh, in between Christmas and New Year's, I think, to record this album. And they're like come rehearse with us and i rehearsed with them one time and they're like we're recording this album will you come <laughs> record i was like yeah sure you know i don't know any of these songs but i'll do my best had and, you been have you had you done any recordings before that um in that sense not not on that level really no um i'd recorded here and there and i knew a little bit about it unt had a recording studio built in that you could have, you could check out time yeah like rent time anytime for free uh if you're a student and uh, so I'd done a little bit, but yeah, so I went down there and just kind of like held on for dear life and and played with them. And then somewhere uh, along the line, Red, Red and the Revelers, we either played on the same show together, or Red had seen us play or something. And so I, I, we knew each other, but not well. Mm-hmm. Um, and then a couple after Red and the Revelers broke up. Red gave it a couple of months, and then he called me, and he's like, hey, I want you to play in Red and the Revelers. I was like, heck yeah. I love the brass, and it's more of the funk style of music that Swamp I've been punk. playing. Yeah, and so I was like, let's go. And so I've been doing that ever since, and they're just just the most fun group of guys, man. And, like, what a diverse crew, dude. Talk about a Motley crew. <laughs> With Ross and Bam and Alvin and Red, it's like, yeah, Everybody's so weird and different. And I love it. <laughs> I've had, I've had the uh, the honor and privilege of seeing Red on multiple occasions, and like, yeah, Motley Crew is a great description of it. Yeah, because hanging out with each of the members individually is a totally different experience. And then when you see it on the stage and it all merges together, how it makes sense, I have no idea, but it does. <laughs> That's what everybody <laughs> says, man. It's and it's a wall of sound. You go yeah. back and talk about yes, like it's the same thing. It's like everybody's playing a lot of the probably too much too often but somehow it works because i mm-hmm. think everybody has phenomenal ears and we listen to each other and nobody everybody finds their space and they play in that space and uh man it's a fun group to play with you yeah. know um and so that's so that's how we met was just yeah kind of like a chain of uh Chain of events. I also met my wife in Down and Good. So Down and Good is kind of like good's been, good to been the catalyst for yeah a lot of things <laughs> from in my life in my current life. So uh, shout out to Shane Kelly for that. Um, but yeah, I um, been doing Red and the Revelers, and then during the pandemic, I, I got super deep into Circles Around the Sun. Really wanted to do a project that was similar to that. Bo and I were both deep in it and we went up, I went up to Tupelo and we spent a weekend writing and recording music that sounds like Circles Around the Sun that will maybe eventually release 
uh, as fragile. If it's up to Bo, it never will. Well, me, I'm the same way, man. <laughs> I'll go back and like, we got to tweak this here and there. But yes, we're we're not good for each other in that sense. <laughs> but yeah, we like, get, it's I, fun. One thing I've learned about Bo is Bo needs someone around that has to pull the trigger. Yes, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, so it'll come out eventually. But um, <laughs> that and then through that and through Tyler found out about another group here uh that became what's now known as organized grime and it's just like instrumental kind of vibe it's very unique and and i get to bring a lot of like synth and electronic sort of elements and it's kind of like hip-hop mixtape with a little bit of prog and some other stuff in it it's really fun so those are my red and the revelers and organized grime are my two main wow dude. creative projects at this That's- point I, that has to be quite quite the adventure, like with the the theory background and stepping into like hip hop and like making all that work. That has to be interesting. It's, it's cool, man. It's yeah, fun. It has to be fun. Yeah, it's. Super I mean, fun. I've heard a lot about organized grime. I want to get to a show. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's good luck. We don't play enough. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's it's few and far between. I yeah. know. Um, Red keeps me too busy to be able to, you know. True. Uh, and then I get we get some time off, and I just need a couple of weeks to recover before I even think about booking yeah, for for your own. You know, I mean, yeah, not as if you wear enough hats, right? Right. Yeah. Well, dude, let's let's walk it back to here. Yeah. We're back at Lee's Coffee and Tea. Yeah. You got the San Friskin, uh ribbon cutting, and I mean, what is the culture? that uh that you want to bring here to laura what is what is the mission statement so the uh so crossroads coffee roasters uh is to me the kind of represents kind of the culmination of all all my all my interests um and i I chose the name crossroads for the obvious robert johnson connection but also because the decision to start the roastery was kind of a crossroads for me it's like am I going to like go all in on coffee business and like really make this, make a life out of this? Or is it going to be kind of like my side piece so I can pursue music, you know, more fully all the time. And it was really like, well, let's go. I'm I'm doing it. So one um, foot in, one foot out. Don't pay to live like that. That's right. That's right. And, uh, so yeah, so the ribbon cutting and the official launch of the website and all of that is kind of like like that. Uh, CrossroadsCoffeeRoasters.com XRoadsCoffee.com you, If you search for it, Crossroads Coffee Roasters you'll find it in the first couple of hits but uh, wanted to do that but but wanted to bring my passion and love for music and Mississippi music in particular uh, along with and integrate into that so uh, in developing kind of like the the brand uh, Bethany Bird at On Your Hill helps helps me kind of flesh this out as as uh, crossroads as the the coffee for the Mississippi musician. You know, we don't think about coffee as being part of music that much. You know, usually we think more of a beer. Alcohol. Yeah, usually alcohol. But um, I think that coffee plays a lot a big role in in the musician's life especially if you're writing music in early mornings and late nights and stuff you know you might be drinking beers but you're usually drinking drinking coffee too you know afterwards Um, yeah and uh you know and how many nights end up at like waffle house or something with a cup of coffee to get so you can get home Mm -hmm. um and so i think that um it's also coffee is also 
represents community in a way, especially in Mississippi. But for a lot of people, uh, it's the it's a, the beverage that you sit down to drink um, when you're sharing news or just catching up with somebody or you know or commiserating over loss or anything like that. A coffee is usually the beverage that's at the center of that, and so it's always been a sort of communal thing. Um, and so it just kind of felt like kind of the blending of all all things for me. And so what one of my goals or my main goal is to use the roastery as a platform to promote Mississippi musicians. And hey, yeah, and so um, we're gonna have a regular web series, hopefully probably about four times a year, once a quarter, if I can manage it, um, where we bring an is, artist. Is that booked, or how does that? How do, how do people uh, apply? Um, reach out to me uh, on Facebook through Crossroads or, or my personal Facebook, um, or email. You know, email me. You can find the email address on the, web, on the website. Okay. And uh, I have the first few planned out, but, but yeah, I'm open. I don't want it to all just be people and you that said I know. Web series, right? Yeah, it'd Very be cool. like YouTube, um, and go on our website where we kind of have an interview with the musician, a, a live performance, um, and then before that happens, they'll we'll sit down and they'll help me talk to me about coffee, taste some coffee together, and and kind of pick out kind of like what coffee represents them, what flavors or or types of coffee represent them as an artist and we'll come up with a coffee that is named f- <laughs> somehow with them and we'll have a label almost what a brewery will do for people sometimes yeah 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 and we'll have a sticker on the back that with a blurb about the band and links to their website and their media and all that jazz and very cool uh try just try to give some uh love to local and promote some local music man um you know, it'll only be as successful as my coffee roastery, but but hey, man, it's I think uh, those connections. The more you can make, the the better. You know, and so. I, absolutely, dude. Like, yeah. there's been breweries in uh, North Alabama and even North Mississippi. Uh, they'll play the the podcast over their radio, mm-hmm. and then you know they'll play the they'll spin vinyls or whatever else. But man, I'm so thankful for people that do that. And like what you're talking about, man, that's that's a game changer. That, that's to the level of what they're talking about. That is uh, friends uplifting friends, and like, man, like taking it to the next level. It's like this web series. It's like we're bringing this band, and also what they think about coffee, and like having a coffee after them. Yeah, very interesting, very cool, dude. Thank you. Yeah, it's a very original idea. I don't think anybody else is doing that. Yeah, I don't. I've never heard of it. I'm excited uh, about it. So trademark nope. TM. Yeah, no Smith. <laughs> <laughs> you heard it here. It's copyrighted this idea. Uh, so the first one, Bethany uh, thought that we should just start out with organized crimes. It says got like the direct relationship to me would be easier, and she was kind of heading that first thing up as a kind of a guide guidepost. So in the next month or two, we'll release our uh, our coffee called Charm, and it'll have some information. But you can go also go to the website already and see live performance and interview with the band and stuff yeah. about how we got together and, and all that jazz. So very cool. Yeah. It's awesome. Well, that's good. Looking to the future of man. What else? Like as I was walking up, you got the table sitting outside. It's just off what I would consider to be the main square of Laurel downtown. Mm-hmm. Uh, what else? It's, it's fairly busy. People were in and out like, uh, I mean, what else are you looking for as the future as far as building up this brand and bringing 
Lee's coffee and tea to the next level. Um, what else would you like to see? Well, uh, you know, we we. I don't want to, like, you know, like make you speak all these things into existence, but no, just, you're good, just to give people an idea. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, so Lee's is Lee's, and Lee's is here, and it's always going to be this spot. Um, and the growth brand is probably going to be Crossroads Coffee Roasters. And so if I, if I open up another spot, which would be cool down the line to have kind of a standalone place, it'll be under the Crossroads. It'll be a Crossroads Coffee Company or Crossroads Coffee Roasters. Okay, okay. Like okay. coffee shop type thing. But for Lee's, um, you know, we before the pandemic, we did open mic nights. It had a lot of live music and had board game oh. nights and things like that. And it just all, those it, plates... Felt stopped spinning, and then I was so busy with Red and the Revelers, I hadn't had a chance to really get them going again. So I dig, uh, and the especially the open mic nights were a pretty big deal and gave younger people a chance to come because breweries host or bars host open mic nights all the time, but you can't plus. go there, right? If you're if you're in high school, so this gives them a platform to come out and perform and get their try and you get know their de- develop a love for music yeah, and performing and. Uh, so I'd love to get that going again. I got to work out um, how that's working with uh, licensing stuff. I don't. I'm not friends with some of the licensing companies, but uh, <laughs> we'll see. Um, and then you know I'd want to get my live music going again, but but just Lee's as a as a celebration of the things I love: board games, uh, music, community, trivia, and stuff like that. Um, and hopefully give other people who have similar passions for those things a place to to be in a, in a town and in a state that's kind of traditionally single-mindedly about, like, football. You know, or, you know, I feel like... And it's, I'm not hating on football. It's fine. I just never had the affinity for it that sure. most other people grew up with. I didn't go to Mississippi State or Ole Miss. You know, I didn't... I don't have that college football-like like passion and um my passions are other places if i didn't grow up in bryant denny i probably wouldn't either yeah right i know know. it's a product of of being part of the culture around the culture right nature and nurture yeah so uh but but i know there are people with other passions and i want to absolutely and i think like this this coffee has coffee house style and even the roast what about like uh and i maybe it's down the pike i don't know but with what you're roasting out will that be something available online that people can yeah buy? yeah we sell we sell our coffee online so the shop is up and running and we had a couple of hiccups where uh, i knew a couple of people are having trouble che- uh getting through the checkout process but it's all ironed out as of today so uh right i got it got confirmation they all successfully so is it whole able. bean is it ground or? it's it's all whole bean we can grind it you can leave there's a place to leave a comment if you if you need it ground i don't recommend that because Every grind, every coffee maker is a little different. It needs it ground a little bit different. Um, but, you know, uh, we'll do it if that's what you want to do. You know, if you want to buy the coffee and have it ground, we're happy to do it for you. We'll grind it and send it to you. Cool, man. Yep. Well, I got three more questions walking out of the door. Before I do that, is there anything else that I've missed that you would like to touch? I feel like we covered a lot, man. Yeah. <laughs> we, I feel like we could do another one. Yeah. Man, I'm going to I'm gonna pick, your, I'm gonna pick your brain again sometime. Three more questions. All right. Is, uh, question one, would you please uh, plug uh, the socials for uh, your company and uh, 
with all the music uh, that you're involved in. Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't know the exact handles of any of them, but we, I mean, Lee's Coffee and Tea is on Facebook, Instagram. You know, all the all the normal X, I guess, is what it's called now. Mm-hmm. All the normal Formally places. Twitter. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, all the normal places you can find us there uh, if you search for Lee's Coffee and Tea uh, we're the only one same with Crossroads Coffee Roasters uh, we also have a YouTube channel that I'll start I'm planning with the new year that's where um, uploads of the interviews and things in a more public place off the website will go but they'll also be on the website um, and I'm also going to do like kind of coffee education type weekly oh, video fun. things hopefully you know these are all these are all goals that I have um, that kind of like ebb and flow in my to- in my traveling music schedule, you know. Um, yeah, I mean, how many hats can you wear, Dale? I don't know, man. Give me a couple more. <laughs> <laughs> it's not, I got a pretty, my head is large, so, uh, and that's not Being figurative. a dad and a yeah. business owner and a musician is yeah. not near enough for this guy, yeah. okay? Without my wife, uh, Sarah, to who kind of runs the day-to-day at Lee's, it wouldn't be possible. Like, she's she's killer and, and she's a trumpet great trumpet player she plays in the national guard played for the governor a couple of years ago Whoa. uh solo uh for state of the state address and so Very cool yeah um shout out to sarah um red and the revelers we're all over everything uh adam Mobile, uh he's been on the show two times now yeah we got an album our album should be will turpin in uh from collective soul in atlanta's producing it and we've i think we're done recording it uh and it's supposed to drop in like march or april so keep an eye out on for that shout out to will turpin like a band like y'all i could not imagine recording like when, yeah. you, when you talk walla sound like i do a lot of recording like I've had I've had a six piece I think is the biggest I've done yeah. with these two mics yeah and that was a wild experience to get everything right to get everybody kind of positioned to where it would not sound like dog shit mm-hmm. I couldn't ima- but I couldn't imagine like something as big and as swampy and as funky as that dude. he's done an amazing job <laughs> man he's got he he I feel like Will really understands the heart of what the music's about and like brings out the best parts of that in the recordings in the studio it's hard to translate man a band like red and the revelers into the studio I, i'm just now meeting you but like shout out to you like with you know with everything that you've studied and what you know about music theory like I, man i consider like there's a lot of humility that's coming from you when you talk about music although that you know so much uh you seem to be very humble and uh about the the process and how to do it like Although you're very well versed and trained, like you, you don't wear your your ass on your shoulder, so to speak. Thanks, man. Yeah, <laughs> I think uh, working on a PhD will beat that out of you a little bit. <laughs> they do a good job of like letting you know that you don't know anything. Yeah, um, but, I, I, that's most of everything in life, right? Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I've always I tell people, um, pretty much every band I'm in, especially like organized ground, we talk about this a lot. Is is like. Our jo- our choices are always to serve the music, and amen. And it's not really about like putting our ego. It shouldn't be about. It's hard not to because ego is tied into it. But it really shouldn't be about putting our ego into the music if it's not serving the music or enhancing the musical experience. Then it doesn't need to be there. And uh, that's a belief that I strongly have. And I I want the music to be the best and most expressive it could be at any point and, and however we get there it doesn't matter if it's 
due to my theoretical knowledge or so-and-so who's never studied music in his life, who just had a brilliant musical idea, you know, um, take it and run with it. You know what I mean? So, uh, thanks. I, yeah. Some people might not say I'm so humble, but, <laughs> but I consider it. Thanks. Uh, question two, what are you reading right now? Oh, that's a good question. Uh, nothing because I have a two year old, <laughs> but I'm trying to start reading again. Um, what's on your list? <laughs> on my list, on the books that I carry around, um, are, uh, Leonardo da Vinci, the biography by Walter Isaacson. Okay. Um, uh, da Vinci is one of my heroes because he was kind of, he's the quintessential Renaissance man who. And also a Ninja Turtle. And a Ninja Turtle, yeah, yeah. Anyway, my favorite one. Too. Going back to being real. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's a swordsman. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Uh, but he kind of dabbled in everything and, and, you know, and just, and that's how I feel like I am. Yeah, dude. Um, not that I'm on Da Vinci's level by any means, man over but, but uh, I strive to to emulate him as much as I can. And one of my son's uh, names is Leonardo for for Da Vinci, and so I thought I should I want to read this book um, just because uh, I've heard it's amazing and Isaacson writes really well anyway. And then uh, a bunch of coffee books about the history of coffee and roasting coffee and things like that. Things I've been meaning to get to. Oh, that leads me to a question. Mm-hmm. Like when it comes to location of where it's grown, have you been looking at like Guatemala or Colombia? Yeah, we, uh, we use an importer genuine origin and I use them because they're super transparent. Traditional importers or old school importers would kind of, you would get your coffee from Brazil or Guatemala or wherever and that's all you really know is from Brazil somewhere. They're really good about this coffee comes from this specific farm. Here's the information about the farmers and all that stuff. So it's really cool um, that they do that. And uh, so it depends on what I'm doing. But my, my espresso roast is kind of in the traditional Italian style. So it's a blend of Brazilian, Guatemalan, and Colombian beans. Um, my kind of daily driver, uh, dark, darkish coffee is uh, Indonesian and Honduran blend. And then I have uh, a kind of lighter roast, higher qual- higher end coffees that are, that are roasted lighter, light to light medium, um, that are single origins, and they just kind of rotate. A lot of beans from Colombia, Costa Rica, Ethiopia, things like that. So. Right on. Yeah. Well, Dale, last question. Yeah. Walking out of the door. Hardest one. All right. What was your favorite part about this interview? Oh, man. Uh, <laughs> probably you bringing up David Crowder's uh, musical ability, dude. That was out of nowhere. So that was killer. Yeah. yeah Huge fan of his. Yeah. And you are welcome. My name is Tyler Tisdale. I'm from Hattiesburg, Mississippi. This is my new song, Holding Back Time. And this is Porch Talk. <laughs> Steady as a string Flowing straight from my eyes As the colors turn From blues into gray Here comes the sun Weight rises up high Pouring all the light Back in my eyes 
to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time there's Granger, offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need plus you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you call click or just stop by Granger for the ones who get it done